This is Vic from your friendly neighborhood show, Chew on This, a Nerd United podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow us and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Facebook, it's at Chew on This Podcast, and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Chew on This Pod. We're active on all three social media sites, and it's not just podcast episode announcements, but it's also memes nerd news, and any special events the show might be at. Now light some candles, pour a glass of wine, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. a nerd united podcast we are here tonight to celebrate love on a special valentine's day episode number 240 chew on this gets romantic with the princess bride now before we get into that uh just the housekeeping stuff uh this duo show will now be a solo um as uh our longtime host bj has stepped down um so I'll be your only host, for better or worse. So, now that that's out of the way, um, the boring shit. Let's see. What's the boring shit? So, let's see. Rotten Tomatoes, 97%. uh, Total of 73 reviews. So, really high, uh, critic-wise. Pretty high tomato meter. And, of course, the the count is low, like we always say, because... Um, the movie was released back in 1987. So on a budget of $16 million, it grossed $30.8 million. So doubling its uh, spend, so that's not bad. But I don't remember. I think I read somewhere uh, I wasn't aware about movie statistics at in 1987. So... <clears throat> um, I don't remember. I think I saw somewhere that the movie didn't do very well in its initial box office release. And after it was released on tape, that's when it got really huge. Um, This is considered like one of the most romantic movies of all time. It's a great fantasy movie. Um, And uh, it's, it's just a beautifully done movie. It's, it's really hard to describe. Nothing like this has ever been done since or before this. It was just very unique at how the um, the son or the grand... I'm sorry, not the son. Uh, the grandfather or the grandson would uh, uh, just interrupt points in the movie. And you would think that would get annoying, but it actually part of the charm of this movie where you keep getting pulled out and remembering that this is just a children's story, you know? So, um, anyway... I the first time I saw this movie, I I I freaking loved it. Um, but I, it, again, back in the day, I didn't pay attention to little details, and I just watched the movies and only paid attention to my favorite parts. So, like with all our chewifying episodes, um, there was a lot of stuff apparently that I missed in this movie. Um, how 
pretty witty the dialogue is and how sarcastic some of the stuff is, but doesn't border on, you know, like space balls or something like that. It's just more subtle. Um, maybe I wasn't smart enough in 1987 to, to figure it out. But, um, so it, it starts off with, uh, this kid playing baseball video game in 1987 and everything about that room reminds me of my childhood. I mean, he had He-Man toys <clears throat> on his, um, you know, behind his bedpost and stuff like that. Um, I think I had most of those toys. I think everybody had that blanket, even though it was 1987, it felt like a, you know, borderline nineties bed, early nineties bed. So, <clears throat> so Peter Falk plays the grandfather. He comes in, the kid's staying home cause he's sick playing a video game. And, um, the grandfather comes over and like a good grandfather, he, he wants to read uh, a story. Um, and it's kind of funny because he goes through all these adjectives describing the book, um, that it's, it's got, it's, it's a fantasy. It's got Kings. It's got, um, sword play. It's got action, romance, death, comedy, all that stuff. And it does have all of that, which is kind of funny. I never picked up on the fact that every single thing that he said about the, the book is actually the book or I'm sorry, the movie. So that, that happens. Um, and, uh, so the book starts or the movie starts or the story starts, I should say, uh, where, um, he learned about this farm boy who gets, uh, just really bullied by, I guess the daughter of the people who own the farm. And if you never listened to our live, uh, what the fuck at San Francisco Comic Con, our first one. I, this is one of the what the fucks in this movie where I talk about um, that other than the way she looks, there's no reason that Wesley should love this woman because she just bullies the fuck out of him, just makes him do meaningless tasks, things that she can do herself, like just, and doesn't even call him by his real name, calls her, calls him farm boy. And somehow Wesley mistakes this as true love where I took it like watching it that one time as, um, as, uh, just like psychologically fucking somebody like just mental abuse. So he, <laughs> he mistakes mental abuse for, uh, true love, which I think if you think about it now, hope I didn't ruin the movie for you. If you think about that, that is actually what's happening. Then the rest of the movie is really fucked up. <laughs> so anyway, so somehow through all the bullying, uh, he has this saying all the time is as you wish, as you wish. And, and the one time he says it, he basically has these fuck me eyes <laughs> as he's looking for her. And she realizes, oh, shit, the boy that I've been bullying for I don't even know how many years, all of a sudden shown some kind of interest. Maybe I want to reciprocate. And that's like what happens. Um, and then you're you're <laughs> you're uh, you're led to believe that this is the greatest, um, you know, uh, romance of all time, even though I just like shit all over it. But, uh, so that happens and you find out, you know, that the farm boy, uh, gets killed, uh, by the dread pirate Roberts. Um, and this is kind of where the movie starts to take off for me. Like the most memorable scenes are right after, uh, Buttercup. Oh, and the names in here are pretty stupid. Well, at least just two names. It's uh Buttercup and, um, Humperdinck which is, I think, still a funny name. Even at 41 years old, I think Humperdinck is a really funny name. Um, uh, side note, like, um, 
for some reason Humperdinck when I was, you know, taking notes. Um, and I misspelled Humperdinck in my phone, in my iPhone, it auto-corrected it. So <laughs> the Princess Bride is so popular though, that like Siri knows Humperdinck. So that's pretty interesting. Um, anyway, so when uh, uh, Vizzini and Fezzik and Inigo Mantoya kidnap the princess, this for me is like where the movie just really starts taking off. There's that great scene where... Uh, Fred Sa- cuts the action in the ocean and Fred Savage is really um, scared in the moment and you get pulled back because that part, I remember watching that in 1987 and thinking, you know, I was just as scared as Fred Savage, his character was. And the grandfather cuts in, you know, thinking that it's too much. And I thought that was just brilliant. Um, and then you get the rock climbing scene and I always, when any time, this movie came on HBO. I had to watch it. And I was so mad if I missed this sequence of events, which is um, it's the Dread Pirate Roberts uh, fighting Inigo Mantoya, that whole conversation that they have and how subtle that stuff, that subtle the comedy is and that, 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 uh, that conversation and the whole fight scene. I just loved it growing up. Um, I thought it was so cool. <clears throat> and, uh, Carrie always looks like great in that that Dread Pirate Roberts thing. I think I've seen other people do, but it looks like they just have a like, construction paper over their eyes or something. Um, and that fight scene just is so amazing to me. I I I love the banter back and forth and how you find out that they're both not lefties or one's not lefty. Um, <clears throat> and everything about that scene is is perfect, even. The part where you think that Anika Mantoya is going to die and he just knocks him out instead. And then the following thing is fighting um, Andre the Giant, who plays Fezzik, who is so charming and lovable in this movie. I absolutely love Andre the Giant in this movie. He's so great in this movie. Um, there's not one thing I do not like about his character in this movie. He's really like the childlike person in this movie. Um, but he happens to be like seven foot nine or something or whatever it was. Um, okay. So, uh, that fight scene happens and, um, even the conversation between the two of them is just, is just pretty great too. Um, there's a little comedy in there with, uh, Andre the Giant trying to play a little, um, you know, trying to make him feel better about being so much smaller than he is. Um, which I thought was, uh, you know, again, lovable of Andre the Giant in this movie. So he knocks him out <clears throat> by just doing the one thing he actually can do, which is ride him on his back and just choke him out. Um, cause there was never going to be a good hand to hand combat there. Um, and one of my favorite scenes, um, maybe yours too, is the whole, um, Iokine powder scene. I just thought that was so freaking funny um, and so brilliantly done. And I never picked up when I was younger all the things, all the ridiculous things <laughs> that uh, Fazzini says. It's some of the shit that he says is so freaking funny. Um, he's uh, let's see, he's he's got such a ridiculous line about. Um, Never, he never get into a, uh, what is it, a uh, a land war in in Asia or something like that, and somehow that's supposed to be um, 
the same, like the same thing as tr- not trusting a Sicilian when death is involved. I thought that was great. Um, let's see. So what's curious about that whole scene too, is that, you know, now Humperdick is trying to, you know, track fake track because he knows he's the one who did it. Um, the people in the, um, that kidnapped him, kidnapped, I'm sorry, kidnapped, uh, princess buttercup. But he has like a whole shit ton of horses on the cliff. And I'm thinking, you know, was there another way up besides that really dangerous far fucking climb from the cliffs? Because how did they get the horses there? Right? Like, why don't they just go that way instead of doing that whole giant thing? Because apparently that whole giant thing, you know, wastes a lot of freaking time. So, um, I never understood, I never picked up on the fact that horses are on that giant cliff now and where the hell did they came, come from? So that was weird to me. Um, let's see. Um, so when Vizzini finally dies, um, Wesley, uh, you know, talks about basically himself almost. And I, I don't really understand the scene. Um, because I, I I don't understand the ruse of this scene if all it was was just to find out, like, if she really loved Humperdinck or, like, was she, like, really cheating on him with somebody else, you know? that That's what my 41-year-old eyes was thinking, that he was just figuring out, you know, if she did anything with Humperdinck or something like that. Um, so... You know, I never, I never really picked up on that early on, and I thought that was interesting watching it now, and thinking like, why don't you just tell him, or tell her that you're Wesley? Because what if he like broke his neck down the fucking hill? You know, like she pushed him down the hill and he cr- cracks his neck, and the only way <laughs> that Buttercup realizes that it's Wesley is like his neck just completely snaps and turns turns 180, and his mask is flown, you know, off. But he's like laying on his stomach. But because he broke his neck, his head is actually facing up the hill. And that's where, that's where, that's how Buttercup finds out that, that Wesley's dead. <laughs> or that was Wesley. Like what, what would happen there? Or, you know, what would happen if after she jumped down after him, she fucking breaks his, her neck? Like what happens if that happens? So, this, so, you know, I, I think thinking everything through, um, somehow he was prepared for almost every single task that he had to do. But this is like the one thing that he didn't prepare for. Like if he pushed Buttercup too far, he would get thrown down a fucking giant hill and almost die. And then, you know, she almost dies too going after him. So that was a, that was a pretty big oversight. Imagine going through all that shit and then both of them just die fucking coming down the hill like Jack and Jill almost. So that was kind of weird. Um, uh, the, the, the forest that they go into. Um, so there's this one scene after you see the, um, you know, the fireballs out of the, I, I should have wrote the name down, but I didn't, uh, the fireballs coming out of the ground and then the, uh, quicksand that they go into. So the one scene I don't really understand always, even back when I was a kid of why he, told buttercup that the ROS is the rodents of unusual size, which I don't understand how that's um, an acronym. Maybe I wrote the acronym down wrong, but 
he says they don't exist, even though he was like staring one in the eyes. I'm wondering, like, they never made it really clear if he really it was like a a bad edit or he was just lying to Buttercup to make her feel better. But either way, like, they were pretty close. So at one point in time, he was going to have to yell, "Run!" Um, so obviously they they lived that part, lived through that part, and he. He never, he, he basically gets caught. They both get caught. Um, and, uh, the whole time, um, you know, Wesley was pillaging and being a pirate. I mean, he probably had to do some horrific shit to, to, to make the crew understand that he was really dread pirate Roberts, right? Like, <laughs> like he he probably killed a lot of people and and you know burned a lot of homes and did a lot of fucking horrible things just to keep the persona as Dread Pirate Roberts, you know. And I picture him laying in bed and curl, curled up in a ball, and Buttercup doesn't know what the fuck's going on, but he has like PTSD or something from all the bad shit. He just wakes up in the middle of the night like sweating and <laughs> screaming. Um, uh, let's see, so. Um, fast forward a little bit after he gets caught because you know he's never going to get away blah 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 and you're in the pit of despair where that machine uh, um, somehow sucks the life out of you like it actually sucks a life out of you um, it starts off with one um, one life and he's in a shit ton of pain but so I never picked up on the fact that those were like suction cups and somehow the water sucked life out of him, which obviously this is not a scientific movie, but um, I didn't get it uh, this time around. And I just kind of went with it. And I thought that was kind of funny. And um, and then you find out that um, Inigo went back, is kind of somehow in the same town, Um sees uh is back where Vizzini told him to go or where he thinks he does and he's pissed drunk he's like really pissed drunk and he um Manny Patinkin's awesome in this movie he plays he plays drunk <laughs> he plays drunk pretty well and then he's reunited with uh Vizzini uh, not Vizzini with um uh with Fezzik and Fezzik has to um make him sober again is basically the best way to say it. So he feeds him this, like, beef stew. And I don't know why, but every time I see that scene, I want that stew. Like, I I want the same spoon. I want the same wooden bowl I think they have or something like that. Like, I just want it served in that. Somehow I feel like it would taste better that way. Um, So, like, kind of like when you eat soup out of, like, a, a bread bowl, for some reason you think it's going to be better even though if you got served the same soup in like a regular uh, bowl, you would think it would be shitty, but because it's served in a bread bowl, you think it's better. Um, I don't know why that is. Or maybe it's just me. Look, if you really like this show and it tickles your nerd spot, please review the show on iTunes and Facebook. It'll help getting the show sponsors and allow the show to keep putting out daily and weekly content. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Um, so, uh, Wesley ends up dying. Um, Buttercup pisses off the Prince Humperdick, 
uh, Humperdinck, and uh, he kills Wesley by increasing the death machine, um, death sucker machine, or life sucker machine, I guess it would be called, because I don't think they give it a name, but to 50 years and basically kills him. Now, the first time I saw this movie, I felt like it was Optimus Prime dying in Transformers. Like, I, because Prime dies very early in that movie. Spoilers. Um, so when Wesley dies, I'm like, wait a minute. I was like Fred Savage in this movie. I was like, wait a minute. He doesn't, he doesn't die. What, what, that's bullshit. How can Wesley die? He's like the main character, you know, and then it takes like a turn for me. Like, after the Miracle Max scene, it doesn't get better until an Eagle Mantoya faces, um, I forget that guy's name, but the Six Finger Man. And uh, there's the banter between Wesley and, and Humperdinck. Like, I feel like there was a slowdown when he was, um, well, ha- mostly dead, according to Miracle Max. Um, so, and also in that scene, in the Miracle Max scene, I always thought he said mud. I always thought he said mud, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. Or bacon, uh, yeah, mud, lettuce, and tomato. Not mutton. I never knew it was mutton until this time. I always thought he said mud, but I kind of just went with it. Because I guess I was like a naive kid. I just went with it because this is like a fantasy world. And for some reason, I thought instead of him being like old, I thought like growing up he was like um, like an elf or something. So I just thought elves ate mud. (laughs) That's so stupid saying it out loud now. and he gives them what what looks like always to me was like a painted uh, walnut shell um, for a miracle to bring him back to life. But he says, you got to wait 15 minutes, which I think is really funny. Uh, I don't know why. It's just a stupid thing where it's like you just you have to wait 15 minutes to take this miracle pill. And they carry Wesley from the what I can only imagine is like the middle of the outside of the castle and carries them all the way to the castle. Now, granted, Andre the Giant's pretty fast. Uh, I'm sorry, pretty strong to carry Wesley, but I don't think he's very fast to make it all the way from the outskirts of the village to the top of the castle, which I got to think is more than 15 minutes, you know, unless they somehow double-timed it or got a horse and got off of there. But they don't have horses because that's when uh, Fezzik gets the uh, five horses or four horses at the end of the movie. So 15 minutes had to have happened um, from the time they left Miracle Max's all the way to the uh, castle. Um, So maybe just a bad edit there, too. Um, Let's see. Uh, Where are we? We are. (laughs) So when they bring when they bring Wesley back to life, um, they ask him to you know, basically help him and figure out a fucking plan for them to beat 60 men. And then he says something ridiculous. He's like, I mean, if only we had a wheelbarrow, that would be something. And I never thought anything of that line as being as ridiculous as as it is. Like a fucking wheel, like that's the thing to beat 60 men is a wheelbarrow. And then he says like Holocaust, Holocaust cloak. And I had to look it up this time because I never paid attention again. Really, um, and when he said Holocaust cloak, I was like, "What the fuck is that?" It actually has nothing to do with the World War II thing. It's a different name entirely, and I believe it's about um, uh, what did it say? It said something about the 
cloak burning or something like that, which is basically what it does. It's got like a different kind of outside material or some shit. You can look it up. Um, but, uh, so I had to look that up in the middle of watching this movie because I never thought anything of it. I was like, what the fuck is that? Um, but anyway, I thought it was still funny that Wesley, um, thought the idea of beating 60 men was a wheelbarrow, you know, like he's a fucking MacGyver or something. Um, let's see. Um, you're getting the movie and you get, of course, the, (laughs) the, uh, would we be a priest or a bishop, whatever? He, He didn't look like a regular priest. Um, but, uh, you know, the whole, uh, was it W to R or R to W marriage instead of marriage, uh, scene is pretty iconic. You know, what's funny is that like, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that you can just say to random people and they will understand what you're talking about. At least most, for the most part, it's not like Star Wars. You can't quote a Star Wars line to just some random person and they'll understand because it's, it's, you know, you have to watch the movie and memorize that stuff kind of, but everybody has seen the princess bride multiple times. Like you can just walk up to somebody and say marriage and they would understand, you know, or inconceivable and they would know exactly what you're talking about. Um, or, you know, screaming liar a certain way, uh, as Miracle Max's, uh, wife does, or, you know, um, do you think they have a shot? It'll take a miracle or be right before that is uh have fun storm in the castle. You know, there's so many one-liners in this movie that transcend like what this movie is because again, it's, it speaks on so many levels. Like it does have everything in it, just like Peter Falk, the grand, you know, the grandfather says in the beginning of the movie. So that's, I mean, really think about all the iconic things in this, in this movie. And I guarantee you, you know, most people are going to know obscure lines from the princess bard before they know obscure lines from, from star Wars. Um, so this movie is, is really iconic and, and definitely in pop culture still to this day. Um, so let's see, um, you get that great opening sequence with, uh, Inigo finally finding the six hundred man in front of him, um, which I thought was interesting that he actually never saw a picture of him and knew immediately that was the guy because they never make it seem like he sees him with six fingers. So I don't know. Never thought about that till now. Um, so he says that iconic line, you know, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Um, all you have to say is my name is Diego Mantoya and people will know the rest of it. Um, so another amazing line, but I want to know how slow that fucking old guy was running because he's Diego stuck behind that door that he needs Fezzik to break down. Now I got to figure he's, you know, long gone. Right. And so, but the next time you see Diego chasing that guy, he's only like 10 yards back. So I'm thinking Inigo Montoya is faster um, than the Flash, the CW Flash, because if you watch that show, how many times does Barry say somebody got away because they got in a car or ran down some steps or just basically just ran away, (laughs) you know? But this is the exact opposite, and and Inigo somehow makes up the distance and is only 10 yards behind before he gets fucking daggered in the in, in the 
gets a dagger in the in the gut. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting that uh, Nigo Montoya can actually chase down criminals where uh, the Flash is just like, fuck it, they're gone. I can't, you know, Cisco, I, I, I don't know where they are. They, they, they got away. Fuck, they get away. Even if they were in a fucking, like, race car or NASCAR, he should be able to chase them down. I mean, seriously. Even if they were in a helicopter, he could chase them down. Fuck, he could he could chase them down if, if they were in a plane. I mean, fuck, what's-his-face did it um, in the, uh, the professional? No, not the professional. Fuck, what's that movie? Oh, man. He plays a driver. Fuck, I can't think of the movie. It was one of the problems if you have a duo and the other person would know the answer to the shit. Can't think of the movie. I know a lot of you are probably like yelling into your fucking phones or yelling into your uh, car or something that, what the fuck? The transporter. I think that's it. I think that's the transporter where he chases down a fucking plane. So the guy from transporter and Neil Mantoya are faster than the fucking flash. Somehow, somehow they are. Uh, let's see. Um, I got to say that that kill when he finally kills the six fingered man, it's one of the more satisfying deaths in like all of cinema, right? Like when you, cause Inigo or Manny Patinkin is so good as Inigo Montoya, Montoya that you feel for him when, you know, you, it looks like he's going to die too, uh, because you want that revenge. And when he finally fucking gets it, you know, it's so great. I, I would love to go see this in a re-release in the theaters. I guarantee you, like, the whole theater would cheer um, uh, for that scene. It's kind of like, I mean, think about all the satisfying movie deaths. You know, this kind of ranks up there, you know, with, like, Gladiator. You know, Joaquin Phoenix, finally, like, uh, Comet is finally dying in, in Gladiator. Or, um, let's see, uh, I forget his name, but the main bad guy in um, Red, basically, um, from... Uh, that 70s show uh, when he finally dies at the end of Robocop. Uh, let's see. Um, or oh, Thanos. You know, that's a satisfying death. But this kind of ranks up there. You really wanted this guy to die for what he did. Um, and it's a great line, too, where he says, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. I mean, that's that's iconic to me, too. I could probably say it to a lot of people that I know, and they would know exactly what movie, at what point in the movie that that's happening. Um but what's funny, I also like the scene where um, there's that banter between Humperdinck and uh, Wesley. And I I mean, you really have to sell that scene because Humperdinck really has him like dead to rights, you know. And But Humperdinck's such a pussy that he just believes everything that Wesley says. So, you know, in a way, that's that's basically his punishment that like he knows he's a big pussy and he let Wesley and his bride get away. Um, and he couldn't even fucking walk. But what's interesting this time was I thought about, um, you know, Wesley saying, uh, Inigo would be a great dread pirate Roberts. And I always thought that was like, that's perfect. That's perfect. Cause he says he, you know, he doesn't know what to do. He, he's been in the revenge business forever. Now that it's finally happened, he has no clue what the fuck he's doing. I thought it was perfect. Perfect that it was going to be Dread Pirate Roberts. But this time, this time I was like, wait a minute. Wesley's clearly British, right? And Inigo Montoya has a fucking hard Spanish accent. And he's he's brunette. Wesley's blonde. So at no point, 
none of the crew members are going to realize that the Dread Pirate Roberts are um, is is Spanish now, or are they going to do what the previous Dread Pirate Roberts did and just get an entirely new crew, and they'll just flip flop? That's the only way I can think about it working. Otherwise, pirates are the dumbest fucks ever. Um, so I have no idea how that's going to work. Oh, and I wanted to know when they kissed at the end, like what the five other passionate kisses were like, cause you know, the, the grandfather's reading the, the book and it says like, out of all there was like deemed like five of the most passionate kisses ever. And this kiss blew them all away. And I always wanted to know what those five kisses were. Um, somebody, if you know that, you know, tweet at us or, or, you know, comment on the release when this is released on, um, it should be on Valentine's Day. Give, give me an idea of what that five fucking kisses were. Cause I really want to know what those five kisses were. Um, okay. So this is how stupid I am or was or possibly still am. But when I first saw this movie, I thought when the grandfather says, as you wish back to the grandson, I thought like he was <laughs> fucking Wesley. <laughs> I thought he was Wesley or Wesley's like offspring. Like when he says that, but clearly like the grandfather is, is referring to, um, is referring to the lines that Wesley says in the, uh, in the book. But <laughs> my dumbass younger self <laughs> thought that he was fucking Wesley. Cause you know, he has a, he has a mustache too. Like Wesley does. I was like, Oh shit. That's the fucking, I was like, Oh my God, that's the, that's Wesley right there. That's the old dread pirate Robert, you know, which would make, which would make the grandmother, grand, grandma, uh, <laughs> grandma buttercup. Right. So, but obviously that's not what was happening, but my dumbass younger self, uh, thought that was the case. Um, so anyway, so that's the end of the movie. I hope I didn't go too fast. Um, but this is the first solo episode that I did. Um, talking for 30 something minutes straight kind of sucks. Um, but I'm sure we'll get used to it. Um, and, uh, obviously reading notes and not having somebody to play off of, um, gives me the opportunity time to look where I was. So, this entire episode, seriously, I fucking kept losing my place in my notes. So I think next time I'm just going to work it in and say, fuck it. I don't know where the hell I am. You're just going to have to deal with it because we're going to have to get through this. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, that's my first solo episode. Um, and that was episode 240 of Chew on This, a Nerd United podcast. You stay classy, Sacramento. Later. <laughs>